are now listening to a very special message from Joy Community Church. John chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. And I want to talk about make this your best year. And part two, because I got so excited last week, I couldn't get through the whole thing. Um, and so I uh, want to review last week, but then move on as well. Let's go to the book of John and talk about how Jesus took situations and made the best of them. We'll start at verse 1, and we'll go down to verse 11. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for the power that's in the word of God. We thank you that it's the word of God that transforms the way we think, our attitudes, our choices, our behaviors. It's the word of God that leads us in a direction that's very different, Father, from those who do not yet believe. We pray today, Lord God, that you would set a flint our hearts for the word of the Lord, increase our hunger, increase our desire for the word of the Lord to direct us and guide us and caution us and reveal to us and inspire us and build our most holy faith in Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. On the third day, a wedding took place at Gana in, uh, in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. So they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. As we begin 2023, we have a chance to take stock of our lives and see where we are going, measured against the backdrop of where we have been. As we look ahead to what 2023 might hold for us, we must remember that faith is always pointed toward our future. God doesn't care nearly as much about where we've been as he does about where we are and with his uh, care uh, and help where we are willing to go. 
Such is the wonder of faith that Jesus displayed at the wedding in Cana. Faith always has to do with obedience and truth and events that will yet be successful in our lives. The disciples' faith gave them a new sense of confidence that the best was yet to come. The poet Robert uh, Browning wrote these words, Grow old along with me, the best is yet to be. The last of life for which the first was made, our times are in his hand, who saith, a whole I planned, you use shows but half. Trust God, see all, nor be afraid. I love those words, and they actually give me confidence in my future. As we launch into 2023, we may be wondering if there really is a future for me. What does the new year hold for me? Will I be safe in 2023? Will my life be blessed? Or would it be safer for me to look back, to go back, and stay in what seems to be my familiar past? Faith builds on our past, but it does not focus us to remain there. It doesn't allow us to stay comfortable. The best is yet to be. And last week I discussed with you, the, uh, uh, well, seven helpful hints that I wanted to give to you so that you could make this your best year. And I discussed with you very quickly that as you look at these 11 verses, that the best is yet to be because the presence of God is evident in that moment of our lives in that exact moment that we are dealing with either challenges, a crisis, an embarrassing, uh, embarrassing situation, or something launching us into a new beginning. The best is yet to be. And I discussed last week four things that could help you, and I want to continue that, uh, that same topic this week. And the first last week I talked about God knows your availability and wants to use you in times of crisis. Talked from verses 1 to 3. The second hint I gave you was, be careful not to prescribe to God what he must do, but humbly present your concern to him. We talked about Jesus' mother Mary. And then we talked about in verses 4 and 5 that you're able to move in perfect synchronization with God. And then we, we talked about uh, another hint was to learn to deal with other people's expectations as we've seen based on his mother's expectations of him being the Messiah in verses 4 and 5. And today I want us to look at verses 6 down to 11. And in verses 6 to 8, we see here that we can surrender our limited resources and we can trust God to supernaturally intervene in the crisis, in the moment, and in the actual hour of need. You don't have to be in a crisis to be in need, by the way, right? Not everything in life is a crisis, but everything in life needs Jesus. And if Jesus is not there, you create another crisis. How about that, right? There's always a catch to it. And so we see in verse 6 to 8, nearby stood six stone water jars. 
And uh, the six stone water jars represent the Jewish ceremonial laws. And they were there for cleansing rites. The people would take the water from the stone jars and wash their feet and cleanse their hands as they are entering into the wedding celebration as a guest. The six is actually an incomplete number in Hebrew. And so number six is incomplete, being one less than the sacred complete number seven. And Jesus is the picture of number seven. He's perfect in all his ways. And he completes what's lacking in Jewish ritualistic ceremonies. Just as he wants to complete for us in our lives those various details that are essential for us to function in our society, in our culture, and in this world. Jesus is concerned about those very things today. And Jesus never sees limitations. People see limitations. Jesus sees perfection and possibility. When he looks at you, he doesn't see imperfection. He sees your potential, and he sees the possibilities when you yield and surrender to what he has planned in your new year. Amen? I like what A.W. Tozer said. He said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. I don't know about you, but I've already set my plans in motion, evaluated what I accomplished last year, went over all my goals, went over all my personal values, and then set in trajectory for 2023, new goals spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally, and then ministry-wise. And so then I break those down into various categories. And then what I do after I set my yearly goals is I take those and I break them down so that I can achieve those every six weeks. So I take one or two of those goals and I break that down and I concentrate on that for another six-week period. Even when I have set my goals and I'm conscientious to set another six weeks of those goals, every time I set them, God does something different. I'm like, what gives? But the Lord says that when you plan, some people say, well, you're not leaving room for the Holy Spirit. It's when you make plans. It's when you set goals. It's when you break things down that you are free from all the clutter in your mind and in your spirit to move at the voice of the Lord, at the prompting of the Lord, at the conviction of the Spirit, and at, in the crisis, in the moment that God might be using you to walk through, you can then have greater flexibility because you, you are, you're focused. Amen? You're ready. You're waiting. So already I'm into the year, two weeks and already those goals have been challenged. That doesn't mean I give them up. It means I keep focused. I challenge you to set goals for 2023. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, vocation, relationally, financially, physically. Those are actually the areas that I set my goals in. And then I move on my journey. 
And then every six weeks, I evaluate those, and I then break that down and move forward. And really, learning God is doing something different than I want to actually move in what God's asking me to do. And so I love those words of A.W. Poser, uh, Poser, Tozer. Poser was his cousin, I think. You know, one of the things when you read those uh, verses from verses 6 to 8, one of the things I realize is Jesus never touched those stone jars. He commanded. He intervened with his voice. He intervened with his trust in knowing his heavenly father was about to prompt him to manifest his deity in the moment for the first time. And many times when we're being challenged to move in the first time, that's when we have questions, that's when we start to reason, that's when we begin to disqualify ourselves. God's saying, wait a second, I've quantified you already. I qualified you already. I've, I've selected you already, no matter what your limitations may be. And I'm going to speak, I'm going to prompt, I'm going to convict, and I'm going to give you the faith to move immediately in obedience. That's what he's about to do for all of us. Not just me, all of us. And he does that for his own son. He, he prompts him. He begins to move on him. And so he doesn't touch them. He, he commands the servants. He says, okay, those water jars have, uh, those stone jars have been emptied. We need to replenish them. Fill them right to the brim. And so he fills it right to, they fill it right to the brim. And then Jesus willed, in his spirit, the chemical changes whereby the water became like old wine mellowed with aging. It was a creative miracle. God wants to do creative miracles in our lives. God wants to do things that you're not expecting. God wants to change the normal to the supernatural. God wants to take the conditions that you think are difficult, are limited, and are, are, are not presenting any solution at the moment, and he wants to look into your heart, and he wants to give you an increase of belief, faith, and obedience so that when he speaks, when he moves, when he convicts, there's this readiness to say, I don't know what you're about to do, but I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to experience it. Any of you have had a moment like that before when you just knew that you knew God did it? Come on, show me your hands. So I am not talking to the choir. I am talking to the choir. Okay. So if you already know that, then what I'm speaking you to, to you today is confirming that. Amen. When we think about surrendering our limited resources and trusting God to supernaturally intervene, I was thinking of this story that I read. And uh, it was an eye-opening story, and it revealed how many of us view our own limitations 
and other people's limitations. I think that as I read this story, the Lord spoke to my heart that he wants to transform the way I view other people's limitations. Because when I view them as their limitations, I'm actually dealing with my own limitations. I didn't quite like that thought. But I believe it's a truth. And this story was sharing about um, a few blocks below this certain college, there was this restaurant that served only breakfast in the, it, it, throughout the day. And it was a, a great breakfast because it was cheap. And anything by a college, any restaurant by a college that's serving a cheap breakfast, you know it's busy all the time. And what made this breakfast unique was that, except for the manager, everything was prepared and handled by mentally challenged folks. They were the cooks, the waiters, the waitresses, the busboys, the busgirls, the hostess, the cashier, and anything else it took to run a restaurant. This place was humming. It was one of the busiest places in this neighborhood. And it really was uh, some of the best service in town. And it was surprising. Why were the people of the neighborhood surprised that it was such a great place? Because like many people in our society, they had written these folks off. They had seen them as people with very limited resources, not capable, unable, and below average people. Yet these people, these folks, were passionate, capable, and provided the most excellent service within the neighborhood. And we often do the same thing with God. We look at what we don't have. We look at what we think we need. We look at how we don't measure up, and we believe that we are not much for God to work with. God is saying to us in 2023, if you make yourself available, I'm going to be on the move. And I'm looking for those who are willing to say, here am I, choose me. The best is yet to be as you realize that God is looking for people just like you, through whom he can use your limitations to do the impossible don't consider the six jars as a limitation. All Jesus had to do was say, fill it to the brim. I have this uncanny sense that this year we are going to have an overflowing of God's purpose in our lives. We are going to have an up to the brim overflowing of the spirit of the living God moving in new ways within our lives. We are going to have a, ooh, some good breakfast too together. <laughs> that is beyond tempting right now. Can somebody go to Denny's and get that for me right now? I mean, that looks delicious. But I just get this uncanny sense that if we'll let him, you will just be probably halfway full at times. And at that time, or even less than that, God is going to say, I need you, specifically just you. I want to use you to do this specific thing 
that I have chosen for you to do. And he's going to be waiting to actually hear an audible yes and then a willing heart and then a determined spirit and then an obedience to follow through. There's a free lesson of obeying the will of God right there. And he's looking for us to say, here I am, Lord, choose me. We look at uh, verses 9 to 10, we see another hint that will help us make this the best year ever. And that is acknowledge the privilege of being blessed. And we see in verse 9 that the servants did what Jesus had told them to do. And then it says, starting in verse 9, And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it came from. Now, Jesus didn't hold up a sign. He didn't have his name in blinking lights. He, he didn't say, come and get this new wine. It's on sale at such and such a store. He just did it quietly. And he is going to, he is saying here, this master saying, I've never tasted anything so rich and so tasty in all the events that I've held or the events that I've attended. And normally when we're in an event like this and we're serving people, people keep the best. Uh, uh, they don't keep it to last. They give it at, at, at the beginning, and then when people don't realize what they're doing and what they're saying and where they are and how much they've had, then we give, them the, we give them the worst. Not so with Jesus. And so uh, the master acknowledges that this is a quality wine. And interesting, he didn't know where it came from. How many times have we been privileged? How many times have we been blessed? How many times has God moved in the supernatural realm in small ways? We, we expect it always to be this grandi, grandiose manner in which God's going to move. And God's always on the move. God's always doing something for us. God's always caring in the most specific, personalized way to help us realize he is alive. He is the God who promised that I am here to give you an abundance in life that you have not yet even tasted. I want to give it to you today. And he does it in all these small ways. Mir miracles are constantly happening in our lives. And so this, uh, this master acknowledges the privilege he has for being blessed at this wedding. And he goes out of his way to commend the bridegroom for saving the best to the end. And one of the things I realize is that the world and sin, they don't give their best. They give their good first. That's all they do. They give the good first. They try to deceive you to believing it's the best. It's never the best. It's just the good. But Jesus, when he's doing something, he gives his best last. You can always count on him that when you're just at the edge of giving up hope, when you're at the edge of all your resources, when you're at the edge physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, he's got you on the edge, that's when he breaks through. And that's when the miracle takes place. That's what happened here as well. 
Jesus gives his best last. The best is yet to be when we acknowledge Jesus is capable of rescuing us when everything appears to be lost and turns what could have been a disaster into a miracle of abundance. That was a miracle of abundance. We saw 20 to 30 gallon jars filled to the brim with wine, 180 gallons of wine. That was some celebration. That's all I have to say. And he wants to do that in our lives as well. God is the God of increase. Amen? We know he doesn't need our permission to do it. Because when the master brought the bridegroom and commended him, do you think the bridegroom knew where it came from? Not at all. Because Jesus didn't perform that publicly. He did it quietly. And so often in our lives, when things are happening, we are unaware that Jesus has just done something miraculous for us. Another helpful hint to make this the best year of your life is found in verse 11. I love verse 11. Let's read it together, and then I'll give you that helpful hint. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. What did they do? They put their faith in him. They were exercising their faith. And Jesus uses his influence to impact other people's lives. And that's what he wants us to do in 2023. All of us have influence. All of us. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he has given you influence. You have influence. Your influence Use it to impact other people's lives. Jesus sees the opportunity to reveal to his followers something of who he was. They did not understand at this point the deity of Jesus Christ. He had taught them, but now he was seeing. Now they were seeing. Now they were touching. Now they were experiencing and interacting with the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. Now they were actually being touched with the manifold unfolding of his glory right in their midst. They were touching it. They were sensing it. They were listening to him. And he manifested his glory and proved himself at that moment with his first Miracle that indeed this was not just a prophet. This was not just a teacher. This was not going to be a political leader. This indeed was the Messiah, the Son of God. Wow. By producing wine from water, his disciples believed him. They believed him and they, they were stirred in new levels of faith. This was not just a faith that they had because they had met him and become disciples. This was a new level of faith because this level of faith was stirred from witnessing with their eyes, touching it with their hands, and it touched and transformed their hearts. Miracles transform hearts. That's what happens. 
And as a heart is transformed, a life is transformed for the glory of God. We witness that in this very miracle that took place. Jesus' new influence had a rippling effect, and he wanted it to add value. We know that many people were at this uh, celebration, but there was a specific group that Jesus was adding value to, his mother. She had never witnessed him perform a miracle. This was the first miracle that she had witnessed him actually accomplish. Can you believe that? What a moment that must have been. And then the servants, they had been at many celebrations serving wine before, but they had never served like this before. So they were exhausted as they were serving what Jesus just had turned into a miracle. It, was, it, it ramped up that celebration in a way that other celebrations had never been before. This was something never seen before. And then the master of the celebration, he was the host. He had never encountered this, and he said that. He had been to other celebrations, and they never served the best last. They got the worst. And then we see the disciples. We see at this point that Jesus is dealing with Andrew and Simon and, and Philip and Nathaniel. Those are the ones that were with him at this time. He had, he had called them, and they were there with him. And so here they are, and they're gathered together, and they see this miracle. They shared this miracle, and now their faith was being strengthened through the miraculous. And I have this wonderful sense that in a very real way in our lives, if we would be open to it, and if we would ask for spiritual revelation day after day, not once in a while, oh, Pastor James is praying for spiritual revelation. Well, I'll join. I guess I'll join him. That sounds like a good idea. We're in church. You think we should do this there, uh, Sue? Sure, let's do it. He's asking us to pray. No, 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 no. We need to pray that every day. If you want to make this a great year in Christ, pray that he bring revelation to our hearts. Pray that he stirs new levels of faith. Pray that when we're facing embarrassing moments, moments of crisis, moments of the unknown, that we would just say, Lord, I'm surrendered to this moment. I'll do what you tell me to do, just like the servants did. Go and fill it to the brim. Excuse me, we just, they just washed their hands in that. They washed their feet with that water. We're going to do what? what? What did we just do? What, what, what did he just do? He turned that filthy water into wine? Wow. See, what we do is in the natural, we look at the circumstance. Listen up, folks. Travel with me. What we do is we look at the situation in the natural and we determine if we will participate in what that circumstance could take us into. And because we see it in the natural and we don't anticipate it in the supernatural, we disqualify ourselves from the moment. You can see it in those 11 verses. And so Jesus is using his influence 
in a tremendous way. On Monday, September 19th, millions of people watch Britain's Queen Elizabeth II funeral. I don't know if you did, but I watched everything regarding her funeral because she impacted my life since I was a, a boy. And so being Canadian, uh, the Queen has uh, a reverent place in our hearts. And uh, why were so many people saddened by the Queen's death, including people who never met her, never lived in Britain or the Commonwealth, because she faithfully served her people. She faithfully served her country, her Commonwealth, the Commonwealth, and she faithfully served the world and its leadership for, more, for 70 years. Queen Elizabeth was the head of state, and she was not an actual political leader. And we know that to be true because even when she had a regular meetings with the prime minister, uh, she could give the prime minister advice, but she was not allowed to propose any new laws. And she was actually expected to keep her, her opinion from the public regarding political procedure or matters. And yet, serving her country for 70 years, she saw a lot of world leaders come and go. The first British prime minister that served under her was Winston Churchill. And the last was Liz Truss. And um, there were actually 13 in between those two. The United States had 14 presidents during the Queen's reign. And she met all 14 of those presidents. 12, uh, France had 10, and Queen Elizabeth impacted the world by providing a sense of stability when the world's leadership was constantly changing and being challenged. And they actually would request her wisdom in their trials and in their challenges. And I think there are a lot of people who are facing challenges changes and need us to use our influence to bring about change in their lives. Your prayers, your words of encouragement, the word of the Lord that you prepare each day in your heart, those are gifts that you give and you do not actually know that when you speak them, when you pray them, when you serve them to others, that God might be doing a miracle in your midst. He may be actually changing someone's worst year into the best year yet. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your desire for us to have the best year of our lives. We thank you, Lord, that the best is yet to be, that because of who Jesus is and what Jesus is capable of doing in our lives, he can take the most difficult, stressful, embarrassing, challenging time in our lives, and he can bring the best out of that situation. Lord, I pray that you would be the God who performs a miracle in our midst. I pray, Lord God, that even though it may not be a spectacular miracle, it may not be a public miracle, that you would let us know in little ways that you are speaking personally to us and that you are bringing about transformation 
through change in the miraculous through the supernatural power of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, that you are calling us to understand the value and joy it is to walk moment by moment in the center of our Heavenly Father's will for 2023. We pray this and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. We declare the best is yet to be. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at joycc.info.